Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Cards and Cubs open a five-game series tonight. This is a product of the lockout. Cards and Cubs would have opened the season, played early in the season at Wrigley. So tonight... Uh, you've got the Cardinals and Cubs at Wrigley. Jesse Rogers of ESPN joins us. One of our favorites here on Carriker and Smallman. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Doing well. Doing well. Looking forward to this series. The weather is perfect for baseball in Chicago right now. Couldn't say that a month ago, but it is nice now. Well, tell me, Jesse, what you think about the Cubs so far this season. If you were going to describe their season up to this point in one word, what would it be? Scrappy. <laughs> That'd be the word I would use um, if I could uh, expand on that. Probably a, maybe a slightly better than the record would indicate. Also slightly better on offense than I thought they'd be. Um, for example, just during day games, which they play a lot of, they have, the, they have the best OPS in baseball during day games. So that's a, that's a nice stat. They play a lot of day games around here. They play, what, two in this series. Um so there's little things about them that you like. If you overlook them, they'll, they'll, they'll come up and bite you. They, they split a series here with Milwaukee. They have not been great at home in general. It's probably a little bit flukish. But scrappy, especially on offense, um, they have an igniter at the top now, Christopher Morrell. Remember that name. You're going to see him this weekend do something. He's that energy guy, um, but also productive early games and late in games. So, like, when it matters – um, he's led off games getting on base. like you know, it's, it's like an 800 on base percentage, just a small sample size. But it, he's indicative of this kind of scrappy team they've become since all those power, hitter, power hitters moved on. So it's one of those things. You can beat up on the Cubs, but if you overlook them, they'll, they'll, they'll come up and bite you. I wanted to ask you about Christopher Morrell, Jesse. I'm glad that you brought him up because he seems to be really infectious, kind of a, a guy that's galvanizing the Cubs almost. Is that correct? Yeah, he really is, and he's still probably the first guy in this midi rebuild that I, I say, okay, he could stick around. And part of it is, is just his look. Like, he's got a good baseball body, and that's important. They've had other guys, smaller guys, break down. They don't have a big team, and you really that's something we don't talk about enough. You really need to have some, some strength there to survive just the 162, not just about hitting home runs. But, but, you know, you need big athletes to play baseball, and people don't think of it that way. You think of the great Yankee teams under Jeter. They were, they were big and strong. The current Yankee team is big and strong. Um, even on the mound, you need big guys. The Cubs don't have a lot of those guys. Now, Morell is relatively big compared to the rest of the guys. He's not huge. He's not Stanton or Judge. But um, so, so just start with that. He's a guy I think could stick around. And, yes, he's like a hobby bias almost in terms of energy. I think he's got six stolen bases now. He stole third last night and uh, forced the catcher to throw the ball into left field and, and scored on that play, and they won by a run. So that was a huge, huge play. So that's the kind of guy um, that I think he's showing up. I, I would assume he's going to show up on the scouting report for the Cardinals. There's a big enough sample size, even though it's only been a couple weeks, 
where you notice him, especially as the leadoff man. ESPN's Jesse Rogers with us on 101 ESPN. And Jesse, when the Cardinals traded Patrick Wisdom, a former first-round draft choice of theirs, after the 2018 season, I don't think that they could have envisioned that he would have a 795 OPS and have 11 homers and 10 doubles in 2022. He did it in the second half last year after Bryant was traded and now has continued it. Do the Cubs believe that what Patrick Wisdom is doing is real? That's a very good question. I know that, uh, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I know that Moselock doesn't necessarily think it's real, right? They they moved on, and, and I talked to, to uh, John last year, and he thought maybe this was a flash-in-the-pan situation. I'm, again, I'm not putting words into his mouth, just in general. And in in here, I'll follow it up with my own observations. I didn't think he'd, he'd uh, follow up last year with the way he's, he's performing right now either. In fact, the first month of this season, he looked like your classic, Okay, he's going to hit 200, hit some home runs, but end up back in the minors type of player. But all of a sudden, he's recovered from that start, and he actually was spraying the ball around the field a little bit. His batting average rose. He wasn't just all about power. I don't think at you know post-30, 31 years old, he's going to turn into some prolific hitter, but could he be a sort of mainstay on the team? Yes, because they don't have a lot of power, and he has certainly proven he can do that. So... When you're on a team that doesn't have a lot of power, you just have to hit enough to stay in the big leagues, and you will you will you know get your at bat. So even if he's 220, 225, 210 in this day and age, you can survive if you're hitting the ball out of the yard. And they have really no power from the left side and not a ton from the right side. So he absolutely fits for this team. I can't tell you what he's going to be in two or three years. It's just a difficult projection considering his age and, and where he's come from. I wanted to ask you, Jesse, about Jason Hayward. I know he returned to the lineup last night, but I think there's still a lot of questions surrounding what the Cubs should do with him. I know he's got $36.7 million remaining on that contract through 2023, but what do you think his role is going to be with the Cubs moving forward? I mean, he certainly is a leader in the clubhouse, part-time player. I think he'll. I think they'll move on from him when they need his roster spot. I mean, they are throwing all sorts of rookies out there this year. They have all sorts of injuries. They don't have to, you know, DFA him just to get some prospect up there. Now, I think a year from now could be a different story. They have a, a young center fielder, Brennan Davis, who's been injured this year, probably would be up very soon if not for the injury, and that may have pushed uh, Hayward out. They've had a couple injuries down in the minors. So with a team that has injuries at the major league level and the minor league level and a team that's not contending, and a good soldier like Hayward in that locker room, there's no rush to get rid of him. But as soon as they need that roster spot, because there's some can't miss prospects that, that have to be up and he just can't be carried that much longer, I think they'll move on. But I don't know if that's next month, uh, two months, or next year. I would doubt he finishes off the contract the Cub, right, uh, this year and next year. I would doubt it. But based on sort of the uncertainty of these prospects, you never know. Maybe the pr- roster spot won't be as needed next year either. But I, but I could see the squeeze coming next year more than this year. Jesse, we saw Keegan Thompson last year. This year, he's 5-0 and with a 1.58 coming into tonight's start against the Cardinals. What has he done to get to that level? Just been devastating with his stuff. I mean, great, great off-speed, great slider, great flat fastball, learning how to pitch, all the things you want to see out of a young pitcher. Um, whether you're in a contending situation or not, he's pitching important innings. That 5-0 and record kind of is at least an indicator that, okay, he's in there when the game's on the line one way or another. He's starting, he's relieving. 
Um, very, very impressive. I, I, I'd be surprised if there's a five spot or ten, seven spot on uh, put up against him. He's just too good right now. Um, so yeah, just impressive in all ways. Lively arm and good stuff. Hey, last thing, Cubs fans have had to buy into rebuilds in the past. How have they handled this one? Yeah, I'm getting that question a lot. It, it's, it's, it, it depends who you ask. That's been my standard answer. I mean, there are diehard fans that can buy into this because they're going to be here no matter what. They saw them rebuild a team once. I think everybody is unified in the sense that they hope it doesn't take as long as the first time around. There's that extra wild card now. You're in a big market, lots of money that, that's coming in after all the World Series, you know, not all, all the playoff appearances and all the things they've done to Wrigley Field to renovate it, high ticket prices. So best case scenario for fans is they're on board because they've seen them do it before. They did do a good job in trading Rizzo, Bryant, and all those guys in terms of getting prospects back. Those guys that moved on aren't exactly making the Cubs look bad. They're not having great seasons. Javi Baez is like under 200. Um, some draft picks are working out um, in, in more recent drafts, you know, the 2017, 18, 19 kind of drafts. Before that, their, their late-round picks were not very good. So there, there are good things happening. It just can't go – the worst-case scenario is – oh, yeah, there's good things happening at Class A, so this is going to be five years before those guys are ready to contend. That, that just can't happen. Cub fans won't have that kind of patience, and it's not fair to them to force them to have that kind of patience again with the way they're charging these ticket prices. So it's kind of like a fine line, depends who you ask. But I think if a year from now they're pushing for a wild card spot again or division title, I don't think anybody would have a problem with a one-year step back after contending for as long as they did. Now, this is different than the Cardinals. Cardinals never sell and rebuild. That's just, it's different philosophies. We'll see which one, you know, who gets closer and faster back to uh, sort of the World Series and, and, and see maybe which, which uh, strategy works. I mean, I think most people really admire what the Cardinals are doing. But look, if the Cubs just take that one-year step back, that's not the worst thing in the world. No, not at all. Jesse, it's always good to hear your voice. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. Continue to love your work at ESPN, and we uh, we appreciate you being generous with your time. My wife would say it my long-winded voice, so appreciate being with you. <laughs> love it. Thank you, sir. See you later. Yeah. Jesse Rogers, ESPN on 101 ESPN. By the way, Michelle, Cubs averaging 31,000, 30, almost 32,000. They're eighth in MLB attendance, and their fans always do show up, regardless of what the team is. It's such a destination, Wrigley Field is. You have to go. Well, what did Jesse open up with? It's a perfect day for baseball yeah, right. in Chicago. And you have, what, maybe 90 good days in Chicago weather-wise? Mm-hmm. You're going to get out and do something when you have that opportunity. And going to Wrigley Field, that's on the top of the list. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at betonline.net. 
And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.